Welcome to the Influence Factory podcast. This program is dedicated to support professionals who have a desire to develop their digital business influence so they can navigate through a fast-paced, constantly growing digital world. We invite newcomers as well as our family of business influencers to a place to play, share ideas, questions, tips, and guidance with other thought leaders around the globe. Sit back and enjoy our program with your host, Dean Delisle, as he interviews guests. News and commentary are provided by Jackson Delisle and Monica Hacker. Power Move lessons are provided by the Influencer Marketing Department at Social Jack. And production, editing, and distribution is provided by the Social Jack production team. All right. This week's special guest, I'd like to invite my friend Kelly Banish. She's Vice President of Strategic Partnerships at Uberall. Come on in, Kelly. How you doing? I am wonderful. Thank you, you for are. Oh, my God. I'm like, of anybody, it's got to be Kelly, right? I was like, that's that hasn't happened in 75 episodes, but what the hell? I've been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have a bad partnership, it could be called the other thing, too, right? So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So how are you doing? I am doing wonderful, thanks. How are you? Good. Where are you at today? I am in the lovely Charlotte, North Carolina. How did you guys make out with the uh, big uh, hurricane thing? It didn't affect me at all. I went up to Cape Cod, actually. Um, But most of my friends here just saw a couple of leaves blowing in the wind. It was mostly the folks on the coast that got slammed. Yeah, I saw that. So, all right. Well, good to hear that that you are safe. Yeah. Now, every time that I see you, you have a dog somewhere. Yes, I do. That's my dogger, as I call her. Her name's Foxy because she looks like a little red fox. Right. Is that the, a picture of Foxy behind you? It is actually a picture of a red fox with flower. <laughs> right. There but you go. I have Foxy-esque art all over my I know every time. Yeah. And so I think that's cool about it because I follow you on, on Instagram. So it's like, I always get the dog pics and things like that. And that's uh, such a cool part of your brand. And I noticed that in one of your talks, you also have dog pictures in your talk. So I just think that's cool. It's part of and all that cool stuff. And then um, we talked about you, when you speak at conferences, you literally have um, this thing where you do karaoke the night before. Yeah, it's a great icebreaker. Um, there's nothing like a trauma bond with some of the folks that you're going to be at the conference with the next day. It also just kind of makes things a little bit more light and airy. You don't have all this pressure on you. Yeah. Um, it's nice. It's a good networking tool, I think. Uh, better than a corporate dinner or a, a stuffy, you know, going out to drinks. It's definitely a way to just bond with folks. Yeah, I love it. What's your uh, favorite karaoke song? Right now, it's Shallow by Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. It's a little bit depressing. So um, more of a cheery song is Fuji's Killing Me Softly, and it's a crowd. What about you? Have you done karaoke? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm well, I'm a big ACDC fan, so I'm a more a little more of a heavy rocker. So um, I'll do some ballads, too, I guess. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm, you know... I'll just, you know, highway to hell, you know, nice. all, those, all of them, you know? So I like, um, I don't know, let's ask the audience, what's your favorite karaoke song? Type it in as you're listening. So um, so every time I, I talk with you, you're either going to Amsterdam, coming back or going to Berlin. And when we talked earlier, you said you're booking tickets to Berlin. So you work with a big nav company that really helps um, 
uh, you know, can, I'm always curious about that. So uh, is it just the data side or are you guys actually helping with navigation logistics and everything else? Yeah. So what we offer is really a business model. A lot of our, oh, stairway to heaven. I hear you. Um, a lot of our clients just resell our solution and it's a value-added service to SEO, search engine optimization. Oh, so got it. We make sure that big brands have their locations on the maps, in apps, and we build audiences for them around being accessible. So then do you also help people like get on the map, like Google Maps and things like that? So you sell the tools for that? Yeah, it's a tool and a service. So we um, not only are we verifying their location and doing all of that heavy lifting on behalf of the client and the partner, but we're making sure that everything's accurate and accuracy is really uh, the way to go for optimization. So, yeah. Yeah. And I know um, a lot of times, uh, well, actually, before we get to this, um, I heard you make your own soap. I do. I do. So, Have you so. How many chemicals are in it? If you read like the dial box, they're trying to kill us. <laughs> so you did it purely because you wanted to just have a healthy soap alternative or how'd you get started in that? Yeah. So I'm not really a sweets person. I'm not a baker. Um, you know, if someone dies, I'll like put a casserole together, but I don't really enjoy that. Soap's something that you kind of can build a whole craft around and you've got different fragrances, you've got different materials, put little wildflowers in the soap. It's just, it's a labor of love. Uh, it's, I guess, a modern day equivalent of crocheting a baby hat or I don't know, making a lasagna. I don't know. It's, I enjoy it. It's therapeutic. And I, a lot of my friends and family have my soap and they That's use That's super cool though. I'm going to um, send you some. <laughs> yeah, well, that no, that's cool. Well, we said we were going to get together anyway, so I'll definitely uh, make sure we get some soap. And so on the flip side of that, my new next hobby is I'm studying to uh, distill bourbon. That's amazing. Where are you? Are you? Is this a destination study? Are you going to the Kentucky Bourbon Trail? Nope. I'm no. Actually, Jackson just came back from the trail, but I'm actually there's a big bourbon uh, distillery here in Chicago, Chicago, the only one in Illinois actually. And I'm going up to meet with them, and they're going to uh, take me through the whole process. But I'm just curious about how it's made, and then I have my own ideas of flavor. So it's funny, and uh, that's all. You know, I was just like, it just came out of nowhere. It was just like, I think I'm going to make some. So that's a good hab- hobby to have. Right. I, uh, I'll trade you some soap for bourbon. Huh? I was just going to say, <laughs> I think we might have had some of that. Down, or no, we were doing tequila, I think, down in St. Louis, right? We had, had that uh, Mexican bar that we went to or whatever. That, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, so we have a couple things in common. Two things, uh, strategic partnerships. Um, and then personal branding. So first and foremost, what I want to find out is, you know, you have a passion for those two areas. We talked about this earlier, but how did you actually wind up getting to like here? Did you like go to school for this or did you, you know, no? So it was like, how did you wind up here? It's like a Cinderella story for work. I, um, I am horrible at math to this day. When I see numbers, it's like the Da Vinci Code. And when I graduated from school, from uni, it was the height of the uh, economic decline. Right. So I was a financial advisor for a while, which was miserable. I just sold elderly people um, long-term care insurance, basically. And (laughs) 
it was just, it was a miserable um, first job. And at night I bartended to make ends meet. And one of my former CEOs was one of my regulars. So he ended up, he said, all of the skills that you have, waiting tables, bartending, you can apply to marketing. And that's all she wrote. I've since been in eight different roles in the industry. Um, I learned some really hard lessons early on, leaving companies after a year for more money. But um, some of the best advice I ever got was follow the people. So um, look for great CEOs to work with. And working directly with the C-suite has really helped me to hone my skills early on. So um, that's kind of how I found my way. The whole social media branding thing just was happenstance. I built a brand for myself and then one day woke up and everyone was very vocal about it. Um, and it started to get me to realize that literally I get paid to speak to people, which was really cool. Um, the industry that I started out in was primarily like newspapers and old school traditional media. And it was a male dominated, older male dominated field. So I'd show up at conferences and I'd be standing there trying to get into a conversation and I was completely blocked out. And, uh. and I tried too hard. I really tried too hard. That was a realization for me. And uh, it was when I stopped caring about what people think of me. Uh, I was just fundamentally who I am and authentically myself. It really helped me to accelerate my personal brand because I'm very transparent with people. I tell it like it is. And, um, that reputation has preceded me. Um, it was only until I really put those walls down and just stopped caring that I excelled. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. One of the things, um, you know, we do a lot of work with influencer development. We teach courses, we help people build their story and I think that's um, what you just said is is super profound because what we find, um, and we deal with this all the time. We just had a client last week, and they're like, um, they're like, no, I don't want people to know that. I don't want people to know that. And I'm like, well, but I mean that that's what makes you you. That's what that's what's developed you into the person or the human that you are. This realization that you had that, wow, what if I qu- quit? pretending to be somebody else or pretending to be the me that I'm not. And what if I just show up and I'm authentic and I'm genuine and I'm who I am? Well, people still accept me. Who cares? The people that matter to me will accept me. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I think also just um, trying to curate your brand is not the way to go about it. Um, People are going to form opinions about you anyway. People have opinions about me all day long. And it's the moment that you, have freedom from that and you don't really care uh, that you excel and move forward. Yeah. And um, so, you know, when I recently wrote this book, I, I disclosed a lot of things about um, my upbringing and things like that that were just vulnerable. I had a tough time putting them in there, you know, and, and it was a lesson for me to know how my clients felt when I would ask them to, to reveal themselves and, and to, to put themselves out there. And isn't it crazy that we have, um, we have a world where we feel like it can't be that way. You know, like, like it's almost like it's not okay to be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you on that. And 
I think that's the human nature. That's the human tendency to want to relate to people. If you're relatable, people end up liking you no matter what. Um, so one thing I try to do with my clients is find out personal details without prying. Um, just build their trust. Be a good listener. People love a good listener. Yeah. Um, yeah. I only compliment people. I, I use compliments a lot to get in um, into conversations with people. It's just a good starter. But I always compliment them on something I genuinely would compliment someone on, again, with the authenticity. Um, and then I... I store those personal details about people up here because it's really important to appeal to who they are and let them know that beyond remembering their name, you remember what's important to them. And the more people talk, the more vulnerable they are with you. And that's kind of how you build that trust basis with people. I've got clients that I work with from 10 years ago now. Um, they're like, I don't even know what you're selling, but <laughs> we're together again, let's figure it out. And yeah. I think um, those partnerships, it's its kind of a, a life source too. It's right. its a lifestyle. Um, you have to commit to it daily and 100%. Well, and I help, I, I think it, it, I believe it actually helps you cope and, and sort of be in our world today because there is so much, I don't know, BS on social, on the internet and things like that. And its it's almost hard to figure out who the real people are. And I, I almost caught myself or I did catch myself early on in social media is like, Oh, you know, I'm a street guy that made it to the boardroom, but I need to be that boardroom guy to the world. I can't be this regular person that, that grew up and, and learned all these hard lessons in the street, but then come to find out that's one of my biggest assets, you know, is the fact that I'm a scrapper. I know how to get things done. I know how to, how to make things happen. I know how to, how to fight my way for my clients, you know, and, and the fight for us and things like that. So, so in that <clears throat> was, it was an interesting lesson to me, but I think there's, um, uh, I just, I just think again, there's too many people seeing other people and going, Oh, I have to be like them, you know, so they'll scroll through their feed and things like that and go, Oh, okay. You know, I have to, and so they'll put so little about themselves that people never get a chance to know them. I completely agree with that. One thing I started doing too was just mentoring some of the younger folks. That's Miriam cool. had a good contact, uh, comment there. It takes a certain age to accept who you are and never mind. Um, and I think uh, that's the best advice when I mentor folks. And when I go to these conferences too, I've got nothing to lose. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever see you again. I don't care. So I'll walk up to people. I'll start conversations. And um, sometimes it's just a them thing if they don't want to connect. You're at a conference for a reason. Um, and I, I love working with younger folks too, because I think the art of communication is uh, dying essentially. And I think like, um, Gen Xers communicate differently and I'm right on the cusp and it's interesting. I've got a very good friend who's actually eight years, my junior, and she'd rather have a conversation on Snapchat. I love her, but that's not my communication preference. Right. Um, so I, I think just the art of conversation is dying. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm so glad to hear you say that. And hopefully everybody else is too. I fight so hard. We have a policy in the company. It's like two messages and pick up the phone. You know, it's like, let's just talk through. Right. So, um, so in doing that, thanks James. Yeah. I think she, yeah, Kelly's definitely right on. And so, I just think there's not enough voice contact anymore. In fact, I had a person that I haven't talked to, 
I'm going to say in six, seven years, that just called me today. And I forgot about them. And, and all of a sudden he's like, Hey, sorry, I just logged into LinkedIn and saw your message from like six years ago. He goes, I don't want, and I'm the one that trained him six years ago on LinkedIn. He hasn't logged in since. And so I'm <laughs> laughing about this and I'm like, you picked up the phone. That's awesome. I probably should have done the same thing six years ago, but I hit him up on social media. But I just think that too many people don't make the call. I completely agree. And not to not to get into dogs too much, but look at dogs. They go right up to each other. They sniff each other. Hey, what are you about? And I think um, people that have that natural curiosity um, to get to know you, I think we as people just could always do better with communication and knowing your client's preferred method of communication. That's something that I always ask when I'm starting a relationship with clients. I say, you know, how can I best get in touch with you? What do you prefer? And I'll do everything. I'll call them, LinkedIn. I also love to follow people on social media. And I think that's something that we were talking about at the table too, is you've got everything out there on social media. Um, to, to have this big personality that then is encapsulated and it gives people a false sense of connection sometimes where they know your dog Cookie and they know that Cookie went on an adventure and it's a little bit invasive sometimes. Um, <laughs> actually, um, actually, here's what's wrong with that. So I was just talking about this. So a lot of times, you know, you, you meet up with relatives or people at, at weddings and funerals, right? And yeah. so I had to go to a funeral last year and I'm at a funeral and I hadn't seen some of these relatives in a while and I connected, but I knew everything. I was up to date because of social media. So I really had nothing to talk to them about. And I go, I really don't even know if I like some of these people. So you know who you are. So it's just like, but it was just funny because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's almost like social media, even though we can stay caught up, it's given us a reason not to talk to each other. And then when we talk to each other, we have a social awkwardness of what to say sometimes. Exactly. And like in the dating world, it's even funnier. So, you know, stalking, doing the due diligence before you go on a or date. Ghosting with now is a thing, right? Ghosting. Ghosting, yeah, ghosting. <laughs> but, you know, it's hard when you're at dinner not to say, oh, I saw your post about your Aunt Tia or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's knowing your limitations on ghosting is when you don't call someone back or yeah. text them. There's no continuum. Or you, or you drop out of their newsfeed. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I know, poor Miriam. She's like, what is ghosting? <laughs> All these things we must know. So before we move on, because I want to make sure we hit strategic partnerships, because you and I are passionate about this. So, But the, the thing is, we talk about something, and initially when I studied this, I thought it was uh, preferential. You know, I thought it was generational. Right. So, so if you were to only have one way to communicate with people, what would be your go-to for you, Kelly? Um, probably Google Hangouts or video chat because yeah. you can see people's faces. A lot of times you have the tone from the phone, but just seeing people's expressions and how they react to things. I've worked from home for 10 years, so I can't hide this face. Like someone knows that I'm just made when something's going awry. So I much prefer to have in-person virtual conversations. I agree. Um, I agree. There's nothing like being in person for real, but if you don't have that luxury, definitely uh, Google Hangouts. What about you? 
Yeah, I, I do a lot of Zoom. So Zoom or GoToMeeting um, and some a little bit of Hangouts too. Skype I gave up on a long time ago. They messed it all up. But um, so, uh, yeah, so um, what's interesting though is I, I started and I've been writing about this too, is called preferential communication because we have so many options in our world today. There's people that I can't get them to call me back. And I think it was Miriam or somebody that said her daughter-in-law, she can't, she will not return voicemail calls. You know, she, you have to text her in order to get that. Well, that's her method of communication. That's not your method of communication. So we have all these disconnects of people that like, they're like DM me, you know, or whatever, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, that's the way if I, I've got certain people people that if I want to get them, I go on LinkedIn and boom, I get them. Or I go on Twitter because I know that's where they, where, how I can get them. So it's funny because, yeah, and even when we book people for the show, I'll just tell Morgan, I'll go, Morgan, go into my LinkedIn and just message them. They'll respond right away. And then so she goes in as me on LinkedIn, hey, this is Morgan, you know, and Dean needs you on the show. And they're like, oh, great, sorry. <laughs> but they missed three emails and two phone calls. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I have certain people too. So my, um, my company uses Slack and internal messaging. Do you like that? I like Slack. Um, I had to distinguish though, if you need something from me, send me an email or text me, put an action item out there because if you're slacking it to me, it's just a message. I'm not really going to pay attention to it. Um, you know, and then <laughs> that sounds funny. It's like, yeah, well, if you slack me, you know, I'll read some of them. <laughs> I'll, I'll get around to it, you know, and I've got, I've got friends that just had children, you know, and if you leave them a voicemail, you will never hear back from them. So it's just learning everyone's preferred method of communication. Yeah. And so like James says in here, you need to relearn communication and interaction standards. It almost needs to be a, a protocol for people to teach that in, you know, in company, I think in school, you know, cool. Yeah. It's a life skill. I think schools need to do a better job of that. Um, I think teachers have a hard enough job already, but I remember, you know, balancing my checkbook when I was in school and that was a good life skill to have. Yeah. I had this uh, young man that, um, that was coming to the door to sell uh, something for school, you know, and I always like to support that, even though it was a whole different school district, whatever, but he's coming to the door. I think it was these discount cards that they sell. And so he wouldn't make eye contact with me. And I, I st stood there forever and then finally he looked up, like, because I wouldn't respond to him. And I go, I was just waiting for you to make eye contact with me. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. And then we started having a conversation. It was the best conversation ever. And I sent him to four neighbors and he bought four, you know, got four more deals out of it. But I said, just make sure when you're talking to people, make eye contact and look at the magic in the conversation. And he was like, that's cool. Thank you. So it was just, Yeah. Yeah. My grandmother always said, I don't trust someone that doesn't make eye contact. And I, to this day, I'm like that. I think someone's a shifty person if they're not looking me in the eyes. I'm wondering what their intention is. Yeah. And as James says, shift happens. So <laughs> 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 that's, that's his brand. So there you go. So strategic partnerships. Um, so just tell me like, uh, so, so, you know, so what gravitated you toward, you know, being a specialist or an expert in strategic partnerships? So you and I are both passionate about this. So just go for it. How did you like discover like there, that's where the magic is? Yeah, I, um, I went from one role, my first job in the industry, I was there for about three and a half years and I got recruited out and people called me. I didn't even have to reach out to them. And I was like, whoa. 
this is a to have such close relationship with someone that they don't even know what I'm selling currently. And they reached out to me. Um, so that was kind of my aha moment. And then I just kind of going along with those conferences and not really being in this exclusive circle. When I made friendships or partnerships out in the field at these conferences, I would make sure to connect other people. So I'd look for complimentary, you know, business models and just make the connection. And people have always appreciated that about me. I also do a little bit of recruiting on the side. And so in knowing so many people, the recruiting hat really helps them to reach out to me and have a reason to communicate with me outside of the partnership side. So it's, um, it's kind of a nice harmless way to stay in contact with folks. But, um, I think after that aha moment, it was just how many people can I actually meet and forge relationships with? And I think too, it's having the integrity to let someone know that maybe what you're selling isn't good for them or recommending something else to them. Um, so it's all about reputation. It's about those deep connections, staying in contact. You know, even when someone doesn't have something to offer you, do you pick up the phone and call them? Do you keep that communication open with them? Um, so social media has been a way for me to stay connected with those folks as they've, you know, been out of a job or going to a new place that might not benefit me. I still want to keep that connection. I still want to know them as a person and I'm still invested in their lives. So dropping them, you know, a LinkedIn note or texting them or calling them, all of those different methodologies, I like to stay in touch with them. Yeah, and yeah, and, and and what you're and saying what you're saying in relation. In relation. It's, yes. it's, it's, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, so it's not yeah, just so it's not thing, but it's it's being in relationship. And I think that's one of the most important things. And I think I told you chapter three in my book is about social teaming, and I think that's what really connected me to you is I could feel like your intent to connect, you know, not just, you know, stay in touch and that sort of thing, but genuinely understand a person and connect to that person. Definitely. Definitely. Felt the same way about you. Yeah. And that's the part that that you saw in business and you do it naturally, which I, you know, which I thought was sort of cool because you're like, you know, you go in and, and you actually can, see the map of these connections and how valuable they can be. And we were just talking about that, how, you know, more of our clients and customers have to strategically or tactically develop their partnerships. And sometimes I think people belong to things just to belong to things, but it's not structured with the intent for mutuality and to help one another. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree. And um, kindness always goes a long way. It takes so much less effort just to be kind. So if I see someone who's a bit of a loner at a conference, I'll go up and talk to them and introduce them. We've all been there. And so that humanistic quality of just connecting, everyone wants to connect. Everyone wants to feel like they belong. Um, There's some people that have straight up told me like, don't talk to me at a conference. And that's fine. Um, You know, not everyone has good taste. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But, but I think, um, just being kind, you know, not getting caught up in politics with people. Um, you know, one thing I love to say, if someone's trying to solicit gossip from me or something, oh, I'll always oh. say, well, that person never did anything to me. And it 
gets them to rethink their motives. Um, but yeah, it's always putting the right pieces of the puzzle together and making sure people are comfortable and they feel included. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, people included. Um, <clears throat> how do you get to in the in the conversation? How do you get to? Um, so if you're going to an event and you know that certain people are going to be there, do you do you case the event first and and look for people ahead of time and look at social and say, well, I think I, that would be a good person for me to connect to, whether it's business or not. Is that do you go that route? I go to. Sorry, I lost your. Sorry, I lost your. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yep. Okay. Typically, the conferences that I go to, there's an option of sponsor, so we'll get the attendee list ahead of time. Um, I'll look at you know the usual suspects, folks that I know. I call it my carnival family because I've traveled <laughs> with them so much. Um, you know, I'll reach out to them. I'll also make sure I make connections before I'm there and say, "Hey, you guys should really meet up. Looks like you have a similar business model. Um, you know, there might be something complimentary that you can do." I'll also connect with everyone on LinkedIn um, or, you know, look at their profile, let them know that I'm there. And then sometimes I'll call people ahead of time and say, Hey, I want to get the conversation started before the conference even. That's cool. That's cool. People are pretty eager about that. They're excited. Um, If I see a new face too, I'll call them and I'll say, Hey, you know, I think you're new to the circuit. Is this your first conference? This particular type of conference? And Typically, they'll say yes, and I'll say, you know, let's let's meet up at registration the moment you get there, and I want to introduce you to people. Um, so it goes a long way. Well, Kelly, it's like we were separated at birth. <clears throat> <clears throat> well, there's uh, there's something that we call hosting. So, and that's exactly what you described. So, what happens is, whether it's your event or not, you treat the event as if it's your event. And then you welcome and host people. And it's interesting because, you know, the people that actually work the event then will actually, you know, be more connected to you and be willing to connect you to more people. It's just, and so that's something that as an organization, we've been practicing forever. But when we go to an event, we're going to help out, you know, we're going to be like, be the ambassadors for that event. And like you said, it helps bring comfort to the people that are at an event. So like any networking event or whatever, you see people that are lost, they're wandering around. And now all of a sudden you can sort of be that ambassador and it really builds some amazing relationships. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I didn't know the term for it, but now I do. Um, I used to also like case the joint ahead of time where I would look on LinkedIn and look for social trending um, around the particular hashtag for the conference. I would like put every, I would copy and paste people's face and their names on like a Google doc and I'd print it. And it was like my little handy dandy guide that I would take. And I'd stalk people. I'd go up to them and I'd say, Hey, we should talk about this, that, and the other thing. And they'd be like, how do you know my name? But they're impressed that you're that much of a stalker. So that's yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yes. Yes. So you and I both came out of um, you and I both came out of hospitality per se. You said you waited tables. I bust, and I thought I was actually going to go into hospitality, and then I wound up in technology. But I always wonder that those of us that inherently 
um, work events well. And I'm always curious, like who in the audience came from hospitality, but somewhere in that business. But it's always interesting to me when I find people that started in hospitality and all of a sudden they're like, they're very welcoming, they're nurturing, they're, they're hosting automatically, you know, that becomes part of who they are and they're helping people, you know, along the way, if you will. Absolutely. I mean, no one has time for an ego. Humility goes a long way. Um, I was at a conference a couple of years ago and the waitress dropped a tray and everyone just stood there and it, it baffled me because it's like, okay, really we're all in our suit jackets and nobody is, nobody's going to help her. Um, so I think pitch in where you can and, and show that you're human. Um, even if it's the unpopular thing to do, uh, yeah. <laughs> The other thing that I learned in hospitality too is no one wants to know your sad stories really um, or anything bad is going on in your life. You know, how many times have you had a server come up to you and you ask them how their day is and they're like, oh, I'm miserable. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants a Debbie Downer and such is life. You know, if you need to talk about those things, get a therapist. Yeah, right. (laughs) What's uh, interesting about that is we were out at a, a really nice place, great reputation, and this poor server was just fumbling and having problems. He had trouble opening the wine, and he was and he was nervous, and he was running around, and he was stressed. And I was just like, "Hey, you know what? It's okay. You know, you're doing you're doing fine. You know." And it was just those words of encouragement, and you know. And then when the manager came around, I was just like, "Hey, listen, everything's fine." You know, she was checking up on him, and they were sort of helping to pick up a little bit of the slack and things like that. And I was like, "No, he's doing great." So I didn't know if he was new or not, but I was like, "You know, you're you know you're doing fine. You're doing a good job." And at first, you know, I caught myself getting a little agitated, and I'm like, "Well, wait a minute. There was a time when you were in hospitality and." Uh, I can remember I was bussing tables and there were some politicians in this restaurant and things like that. And all of a sudden I dropped, um, I dropped a thing of sour cream and it got on this guy's suit and I was just like, and you know, and then the manager comes running over and I was like, so I think of that moment because I felt like I just wanted to crawl under the booth and hide. But then people were just like, it's okay. No, you know, it's all right. It was an accident. You know, it didn't mean to happen. And it was that forgiveness in the world that I think we need a little more of because people seem just a little too tense to want to just ignore or blame. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, I had a, I had a story similar to that. I was at this uh, Italian restaurant and I was carrying linguine with white clams out and this woman at this table was horrible to me. It was some people just like to make an example out of you and just right, like throw you right. to the wolves. And it was a large, it was like a 10 top. And, uh, I brought, I brought her dish out and the clam juice dumped out of the dish into her purse. <laughs> and I locked eyes with the guy across from her who was like allegedly her boyfriend or whatever. And he's like, and he didn't say anything. She called the next day to complain. I probably should have owned it, but it just goes to show karma. White clam sauce will get you. <laughs> My gosh. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. It was so but, bad. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think, I think it should be a requirement too that someone who's going into the world either has retail experience or um, you know, some sort of waiting or service industry experience because it definitely primes you for life. There's 
nothing that I feel I can't deal with at this point. Right. And we say, right. we say that um, social media, we when, in our training, uh, one of the first things that we do is we're, we're like, well, who here has worked an event? Who's part of an event? And then, you know, uh, you know, are you good or what do you do at events and things like that? And we say, treat social media like it's an event. So treat LinkedIn when you go there, this is an event. And then we tell them to be a host of the event and, and host your network and really make them feel welcome to be part of your network. And, and it really takes on a whole new context and meaning when you start hosting people on social media. And the people that you know, you don't need 10,000 followers or people or connections to be successful. I mean, you could have 20, 30, 50, it doesn't matter. So the people that are, you know, sort of not the right ones to be there, just silently dismiss them. You know, they don't have to be at that party. Also, a lesson I learned, you never know when someone you work with is going to become a competitor or a competitor is going to become a client. So, um, that old saying, may the bridges you burn light your way forward. No, that doesn't apply. (laughs) Everyone, everyone holds value. Um, every relationship you have, uh, no one holds more or less value than the next person. So I always like to be diplomatic with my competitors and you know, you never know when you're going to work together one day. Yeah. Right now. Right on. Well, uh, Kelly, as always, every time you and I have a conversation, it's like there's a synergistic thing. There's so many things we have in common. And, common. and I think that's I think that- connected so well when we were in St. Louis. And it was just like, oh my gosh. And so that's why I couldn't wait to have you on. And I knew there would be some cool nuggets. So at this point, we'd like to invite uh, Jackson and Monica back on to hear what they learned. But what I'd like to do is ask the audience, um, what did you What did you take away? So we always want to make sure that you take something away that maybe you used to do or you forgot, but maybe there's something that you heard that is uh, something useful for yourself. Um, so, so I want the audience to chime in and type that in. Like, what is your big takeaway in this conversation with Kelly? And then, Monica, what did you hear? Um, I first off, uh, I would like to say your story is really incredible from, you know, where you started. I also hated math <laughs> growing up. It was the worst subject for me. I still struggle with it. Um, but I really appreciated the fact that uh, when you said you follow the people, you follow those leaders that have made an impact in your life and um, and continue to stay connected with them because you never know where your paths will cross again. Yeah. Yeah. Jackson. Yeah. I think, um, just the being, you know, very diplomatic to, I mean, everyone, every relationship you have, everything like that. I, I really, uh, I, I love that. And I, uh, it's crazy that you said that because I came across a quote yesterday by Tolstoy, uh, saying, you know, there's only one time that is important and it's now, uh, it is the most important time because it's the only time we have any power. And what he meant by that was that, you know, being with that person, the most important person that you have in your life is the person that's in front of you right now. You know, that's the most important relationship you have at the moment is the one that's right in front of you. So just be there, be in the now and not worrying about like, oh, I have a meeting in like 40 minutes, you know, I have to be for that, you know, but it's, 
and I, I think that's another great way to look at it, you know, is like those two things go hand in hand is being now being there with someone and being diplomatic to every person that you meet because it's like, you never know, like you said, when your paths are going to cross again, whether you're going to work together, be a competitor, things like that. It's just, there's so many moving variables in life, especially today. Everyone's connected through every social media and every which way. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, that was probably the biggest thing that I took away. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Kelly, any, so Kelly, any thoughts from your perspective on, uh, you know, reflecting back and things like that? And then we'd also like to know if there's um, certain people that have inspired you along the way and, and maybe books or authors or people that you follow as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. So um, just reflecting on, you know, my pastime and um, knowing the people that I know and building those connections. Um, there's a book out there called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... Really? I can't say it, but it's by um, Mark Mark Mang- Mangum, I think. Okay, um, okay. It helps me so much in just letting go. Um, I'm like a dog in the sense, if I know someone doesn't like me, it will kill me. It will literally... Like, I'm dead, deceased. Um, <laughs> I need to make them like me immediately, and that's how I used to be. Now, after reading that book, it really gave me the opportunity to do some deep self-reflection and say, maybe I'm just not their flavor. Maybe I'm not their brand. It's okay. Not everyone has to like you. Um, so that's that's another kind of hard lesson I had to learn over time. Um, there's also, I listen to a lot of HBR, Harvard Business Review podcasts, um, there's one out there that I really like and it's called the harsh reality of innovative companies. If you're trying to breathe new life into your company right now, or you've just hit like kind of a dead spot in your career, I highly recommend that one. And then this is a little bit personal, but I listened to a lot of Ted talks and there was one, it went viral. Uh, Nora McInery, M C I N E R N Y. Um, we don't move on from grief. We move forward with it. And that's more of a personal one. It's September 11th. So I figured, uh, it might be nice to, to offer that one up. But if anyone has something that's holding them back and it's grief related, that really helped me to cope with some personal grief that I was facing and move on. Yeah, that's good. So thank you for that. That's, that's huge. And, um, and so we, uh, we always ask that, uh, our audience take things that they learn, and, and really help somebody that's around you. Um, you just never know what they're going through, what they're experiencing, or what space they're in. But, you know, we want you to take, and you're all thought leaders and influencers, you know, in our minds and, and should be in your minds. So make sure you take what you learned from Kelly and share that with someone today. And, uh, and just have the conversation open up and be that good relationship connected <clears> to them. And they might be in a place where they really need that right now. And so, um, Kelly, I just want to say, you know, thank you for uh, sharing your story with us and your path and then your knowledge on, uh, on everything. So it's been a true delight to have you on. Great to have you on. Absolutely. And thank you all so much for your time. There are a couple of um, tools, too, that I just wanted oh, yeah. to Oh, yeah. Go recommend to you for some happy networking. Um, it's a tool called Reportive, R-A-P-P-O-R, 
T-I-V-E. Um, I believe HubSpot actually bought them. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you have Gmail, you can download it. It's an extension in Chrome and it sits in your inbox. So if you're trying to do lead gen or do some cold outreach, if you guess the person's email address properly, uh, they pop up in a little window. So report if confirms that it's their proper email. Um, there's also this company called red books. Um, pricing is a couple thousand dollars a year, but you get one seat and you can get all of the contacts you need there. So you don't have to do that guesswork. Um, and then also I just strongly recommend that you connect with your work connections more on social media, even if you have to create a more professional profile and then just connect with people there. It tells you everything you need to know about them. It keeps you in touch with them. And uh, it's a great tool to have, but I'm sure you all already knew. Well, yeah, but it's, let's not take it for granted. It builds a stronger culture too. Mm-hmm. Definitely does. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you guys so much for having me on. I really yeah. appreciate yeah. it. And Jackson, Jackson, two winners today. Uh, yeah. So for zoom, we have James Feldman and Facebook live. We have Laurel Zeman. Laurel. So, so yeah. And then, uh, real quick, we have a note from our sponsor. Uh, the influence factory is brought to you by planable planable gives you social media, your social media team, everything you need to move their creative process forward. Planable allows you to prove, preview social media posts as though they are live. No more screenshots, mock-ups, or endless number of Excel spreadsheets. Your clients can review content from within the platform. Planable.io. Start your free trial today. (laughs) And Monica, you love Planable, right? I do. (laughs) New favorite platform. Right. All right, everybody. What I want to thank all of our guests that were on today. And I also want to thank, uh, again, thank uh, Kelly for being on and uh, everybody that listened in and that listens to the podcast. We appreciate you. Remember, pass that on the things that you learned today with somebody that you care about. And, uh, and then we'll definitely see you in the next episode online. Thanks, everybody. And take care. Woo. Thank you for listening to the Influence Factory podcast. We welcome feedback and suggestions. You can provide these by visiting our website at www.myinfluencefactory.com. And if you are interested in Social Jack's 90 Days to Influence program, you can simply go to 90daystobusinessinfluence.com and simply ask for the next steps. While our program airs regularly on Zoom webcasts and Facebook Live on Wednesdays at noon central, we invite you to download episodes on your favorite channel, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and who knows where else in the future. We will also provide occasional on-location live streams with special guests that we will announce in our community Facebook group, Business Influencer Alliance, as well as on all Social Jack channels. Our mission is to help you build your digital business influence with this podcast, as well as inspire, educate, and entertain those who are hungry to collaborate in a cool place with cool business professionals just like you. (laughs) 